take a second to, uh, to I want to pray. I'm actually, and this is, it sounds t- terrible because I'm preaching on prayer in just a second, so it kind of looks like I'm cheating. Um, but uh, I wanted to pray. Uh, if, you, if you watch the news at all, there was, it was kind of a violent week this week and uh, in our world. Um, there's a bunch of stuff going on. I know there's people in our church who are facing uncertainties and different things like that. Uh, there's, um, uh, if you know, we have a bunch of Corbin students and Corbin alumni here, and there's been a Corbin student that we're praying for um, because they can't find them. And uh, so I thought it'd be kind of a good idea to just kind of pray. Sometimes there's things in our world uh, that we face, and there's not really anything we can do, or everything that we can do doesn't produce the results that we hope for. And so we pray uh, for strength and for guidance from the Lord. So uh, let's pray together first, all right? And then I'm actually, we're going to talk about prayer for the next half hour, but it, it might be good to actually do what we're going to talk about. So... Jesus, our God, uh, we come before you this morning uh, just with humble hearts, just with uh, a realization that you are God um, and, and just a gratefulness that you are God and that we can relate to you and that you care to relate to us. And God, uh, we can look at our world and look at our surroundings, look at circumstances during our week, look at uncertainties for, um, for our world or for our country ahead. And um, there's a lot of things that we don't have control over. And, uh, and the tendency that we have is to try to grab control or try to work harder so that we can control or try to do the things that need to happen. And, and sometimes, Lord, we just need you to remind us that, uh, that you're in control. And we believe it, you know, in our heads. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to live it with our, with our soul. And so this morning, God... For all of us in this room, we can identify things really quickly. Here's what's on my heart. Here's what's stressing me. Here's what's causing me panic. Here are the three things that are just terrible about my life or my world right now. And God, we want to, in in as much as we can, ask you to take those things, uh, to give us peace, to give us your peace, that goes beyond what we can understand so that we can live with you through these situations. We still have to walk through things. We still have to live in our world. We're not trying to escape and and start a kind of weird commune. We want to live our reality, but we want to live our reality with you. We want to know that we're not walking this alone. Some of us may be at the point where we just need you to carry us through what we're about to go through or carry us through what we see in our world. And we thank you for your faithfulness and for your peace and for your truth. God, so whatever we have that's stressing us, may we just open it and give it to you. May we not hold on to it. And may we allow your your name to be glorified because of who you are and what you're doing in our lives. It's by your grace we pray. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we're walking through the Gospel of Matthew until like 2017 or something, and uh, uh, it's kind of long, but we're going to do this uh, for a while. We've actually got a two-month break coming up in the new year, but uh, so if you really hate the Gospel of Matthew, you'll like those two months. Um, you may have a problem with Jesus if you hate the Gospel of Matthew, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but today we're still in this thing called the Sermon on the Mount, and in the Gospel of Matthew, there's 
a few recorded, like, long speeches that Jesus gives, uh, which is, they're kind of uh, uh, remarkable in that we have these long recordings of the words that Jesus used, and over these next uh, few weeks, we're kind of in the middle of something where Jesus talks about uh, what it is to have, like, your personal uh, religion or your personal relationship with Jesus, and what does that look like? So last week, we talked about generosity and how we handle our stuff uh, reflects our relationship with Jesus. And this week we're going to talk about prayer. Now, uh, prayer is a big subject. I wanted to read a little quote for you at the beginning before we start here. Um, uh, this is Martin Luther. So if you're uh, Protestant, um, so Protestant is not is Christian, but not Catholic, not Eastern Orthodox. All right, we're a Protestant church. So the, the Protestants started through the Reformation, which was primarily led by Martin Luther. And so this is kind of like our great granddaddy. This is the guy that we are. He's kind of like a spiritual father for all of us. All right, if you can tell, I'm leading this in, and and it's going to be embarrassing for us, but. Um, Martin Luther lived uh, around the year like 1500, so a long time ago, and uh, and he um, was he was like in so much trouble that his own like followers kidnapped him and hit him. All right, that's the kind of guy he was. He would be in these um, get put on trial, and and it was, there were fun trials back then because if you lost, they killed you. Right? It's none of this kind of punitive damages. It's just like sorry, you lost, you're dead. You know, so um, way more. It was better TV, but. Um, but they didn't have a TV, so it kind of fell apart there. But um, Martin Luther wrote this thing called the Large Catechism. And the Large Catechism is used for people in his day who would be like um, training to be leaders, maybe pastors in the church and things like that. And he has a section in the preface, uh, or preface, um, when uh, he's talking about the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to get to in the text today. And, and so I want to read you from Martin Luther, because it's pretty meaningful. Um, this is what Martin Luther has to say about the Lord's Prayer. He says this, and should we so flippantly despise such might, all right, the might of prayer, such benefits, power, and fruit, especially we who want to be pastors and preachers, all right? So he's saying, if you neglect prayer, if you neglect the way that the Lord prayed, uh, then you're neglecting might and benefits and power and fruit. You're neglecting these things. Here's what he says. If so, if you're neglecting, we deserve not only not... Uh, sorry, we deserve not only not to be give, or to be given no food to eat, so you shouldn't get food if you're not praying, but also have the dogs set upon us and to be pelted with horse manure. All right. So uh, if you're having a struggling prayer life, Martin Luther would say you should stop eating, let wild dogs chase you, and have someone throw horse crap at you, uh, and then your prayer life will get better. All right. So we're just going to close. I'm going to pray and. <laughs> but, I mean, talk about succinct. And so I'm going to talk now. I bring that up because sometimes people are like, oh, that was offensive. But it wasn't in comparison to Martin Luther. So uh, if I ever have a, like a sermon point, point three, have someone throw poop at you, uh, then you know we've, we've made it. We've got somewhere, all right? So that won't be point three today. Uh, so let's talk about prayer. Prayer is uh, something that everybody does, isn't it? Like everybody prays. I mean, you can talk to people who don't even believe in God, who don't believe God exists. Uh, and in an emergency, or if they, you know, if the plane's going down, they're praying, right? Or if they get the bad news, they're praying, okay? And, and it doesn't, prayer is this kind of, at the very lowest level, prayer is at least like a grasping on to something that might be out there, all right? And so uh, I think 
Everybody prays. But Christians pray. People who follow Jesus pray to God. And it's a, it's a like vibrant part of our lives. The prayer life of a Christian is different than the prayer life of someone who's just grabbing. All right? Prayer is our time to commune with God, or to interact with God. If we say God wants to have a relationship with us, then prayer is the time that we actually kind of spend intentionally with God. And prayer sometimes can be, you know... Um, where you sit down in a chair and you spend time talking to God. Some people write their prayers out. Some people sing, or like when we're singing together, you can sing to Jesus, which is like a prayer. All right, you can. Sometimes your people are more tactile and physical, and they want to pray with the things that they can touch or, or like use their uh, hands to create. And, and, and those those kind of some people need to be in nature in order to communicate with God because it just helps them to know that he's hearing. But prayer sometimes is this thing that's, that's assumed, right? Like you became a Christian, you should be able to pray. And I remember when I was a young uh, guy, I, was, I, I remember this, I was just in junior high, and, and we were going to pray for 10 minutes, me and my friends, all right? We were going to pray for 10 minutes, and I remember I got my clock out, it was one of those red uh, like desk clock type of things, or bedside clocks, put it on my bed, knelt down, right, because we were hardcore, and I started praying, and I opened my eyes when I was done, two minutes, all right? close my eyes back up, I'm like, dang, what I don't know what else is wrong with, like, I was only like 12 or 13, right? So there's not that much wrong with the world when you're 12 or 13, you know? It's like, uh, please help me not to embarrass myself and fix the acne, you know? Like, uh, there's, there's not a whole lot, you, you know, I don't have this global perspective when you're 12 or 13. And so uh, I, I just remember uh, vividly thinking, I need to pray for 10 minutes, because, you know, I met people who are like, yeah, I have a quiet time in the morning and I pray for an hour. And I'm like, an hour? Like, how many problems do you have? You know, like, what is, what is wrong with you? And so, uh, which, it, it's kind of a funny thing. Um, but when you think about prayer, it's this thing where you just assume, yeah, everybody can do that, you know? And, and then you get into a situation where you say, hey, let's all pray out loud. Oh, crud, right? And there's that panic, like, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I had friends who prayed out loud, uh, and, and they would pray, and they would just get so excited, they're like, I prayed out loud, right? And, and uh, I know public speaking is like the most terrifying thing, right? Like, it's just this, uh, that's why pastors are all crazy, but um, you should just assume that. There's something wrong with a guy that wants to talk into a microphone, but, like, presidents, but, um, uh, but anytime there's, uh, you get together and, and there's going to be someone who, because it's this, it's this weird kind of dynamic where you think everybody knows how to pray, but nobody ever told anybody how to pray, right? And so you walk into the room and we all pray and we're like, yeah, we all, I know how to pray. I'm, I'm talking to God. I, yep. But I think everybody else is better than me at this because I have this relationship with Jesus and, I'm, and then if I start comparing it, and as soon as I start praying with others, it starts being comparison, right? Like, that person over there uses, like, church words, and, and that's better than my friend over here that he cussed when he prayed, right? And, uh, and, and what do we, how do we, what do we do with those things, and, and how do we live in that? Here's the good news today, is that Jesus actually assumes that you need to be taught how to pray, all right? This is good news. For anyone who thinks that they aren't good at praying, Jesus actually assumes that you need lessons. All right? Like Jesus wants to help you pray well. Uh, kind of a good deal. Jesus doesn't just say, well, come on, get it. Right? 
Like everybody else is doing this right and you're the one. <laughs> you know, like we're in heaven listening and you're kind of the squeaky wheel, you know. Uh, but that's, that's how you feel. And what Jesus actually says is, no, we want to help you cultivate this relationship. And we want to help you have like real times of communion with your God. And, and so this is where this goes. So Jesus is talking, this is Matthew chapter 6. If you have it uh, in your Bible or on your app, it will be on the screen here. Um, let's read through this together and you'll see what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer in this. Uh, and, then, um, uh, and then we're going to break it into two sections, talk about it, and then have some observations at the end. Verse 5 says this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues, which would be the Jewish churches, in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you that they, sorry, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if we forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Kind of a harsh ending, huh? We'll get there. All right, so the beginning, Jesus talks about, if we back up to verse 5, Jesus talks about how we are to pray. And there's a strict warning right at the beginning. Don't pray like the hypocrites do out in the street. And the Jewish people, when Jesus is talking to ancient Jewish people, uh, they would have like set times of prayer during the day. And so it would be easy for someone who wanted people to notice that they were a good prayer to go and, and just happen to be at the time of prayer, standing somewhere where many people can... I just happen to be crossing the street in a busy intersection when the time of prayer started. And so I don't want to... I mean, it's the time of prayer, so I'm going to pray right here, right? In the middle of the intersection and all the traffic will stop so that they can see me praying. Jesus is saying, those people are hypocrites. All right? And hypocrite would be just about as bad an insult as you can get here. Hypocrite means someone who, it's like an acting term in the ancient world. Like it's someone who puts on a mask and is somebody else. So these people who are praying are acting like somebody who they are not. So they're saying that they're using prayer to be rewarded by the people around them. Jesus is saying they're using prayer to be rewarded by the people around them. Which reveals that they don't actually want to pray to their God at all. What they want is to be noticed by people. They don't want to please God. They want to please people. They don't want to impress God. Or sorry, they don't want God to be impressed with them. They want the people around them to be impressed with them. And to be like, this is the relationship, not this. Which if you're thinking about prayer, it's pretty natural to think that prayer is about you and God. Not about you and the people around you. But Jesus says, don't be like these people who stand up 
and they stand up in the street, they stand up in the synagogue, all right, so whether they're out there or they're in here, maybe in church, they stand there and they pray these prayers that they hope you will notice, all right? They pray these prayers that they hope you will be radically impressed and go, dang, he is a good prayer. Someday I would like to pray as good as them, right? Uh, this, uh, nobody's ever come up to me and said, James, you're an amazing prayer. All right? Someday I want to pray like you. Please don't ever do that, all right? Because uh, that makes me a hypocrite and then I go to hell. So, um, but <laughs> you will screw everything up. <laughs> um, but it really, it is a weird deal because you can walk into, um, it, it's not even something you can like point at, but you just know it in your guts, right? When you're there and, and there's somebody doing something spiritual and you're like, there's something weird about what's going on here. Like, I don't think they're actually talking to God. I think they're talking to us, right? And maybe you've been in those situations. Maybe you haven't. Maybe, maybe that's why you haven't been to church in a while because you've seen those kind of situations where, where people seem to be doing something here, but really what's going on is a really uh, a horizontal relationship. And so we're supposed to commune with God. And then Jesus actually says, um, they've received their reward. Just like before, when, when Jesus talked about practicing your righteousness in front of people. If you want to be rewarded by people, God will let you be rewarded by people. Jesus says, when you go in to pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father. Now that room, if you have a different version of the Bible, sometimes it says closet. Uh, some really great versions say your storage room. All right, It would be like our pantry. Most like Jewish or Gentile houses didn't have a bunch of rooms. They weren't like our houses. All right, There would be like two rooms uh, in your house. All right, Or one room in your house. And so you didn't have like uh, inner rooms. I knew someone one time, they were, were empty nesters, and they turned one of their rooms into their prayer room. And uh, they had, she actually, this woman had like a really vibrant prayer life, and she would pray for a long time every day for a lot of people. And, uh, and, and when I went, she didn't advertise this. I was in her house one time, and it's not a weird thing. Uh, but uh, she had this room, and they're like, that's where I go, and I have my list of people that I pray for. I have my Bible. That's my prayer room. And, but we prayed it, call, people call it their prayer closet, right? Uh, and it's not that Jesus thinks prayers that are done in a closet are better, all right? Or that if when we pray together, that's not good. Like when it's time for the prayer in the service, we're going to go back into the closet in the back end of the school and everyone's just going to pack in there and then we're going to pray together, right? Like that's not... Jesus is saying, go to a place where people don't notice you because when those things that are done in secret, your Father notices, God notices, and in doing this, in the way that you pray, it says what you believe about God. So if you're praying for people to notice you, then your prayer isn't about God. And you don't believe something about God. Like, prayer matters. Okay? But when you pray just with God, it actually says something about your belief about who God is, His capabilities, His caring nature for you. And when we pray just us, or just you, or just a few people, or even in a public space, and we believe that our prayers are heard by God, then our prayers are different because of the personal nature, even in a public arena, even in a public prayer, the personal nature of prayer that prayer takes on. And so we're supposed to pray in secret. And then when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard before their many words. This is kind of a, if you're a Jewish person, like this would be like if we were all Christians and I said, no, don't pray like the pagan Satanists do, right? You'd be like, well, of course not, 
right? Like, don't even compare me to that, you know? Like, I'm a Christian here, right? I'm not like them. Uh, this is, uh, I hope you don't say that, but uh, this would be the way that this would be taken by the audience. He's saying, don't pray like the Gentiles do. And the Gentiles would heap up these praises and heap up these prayers. We have records of this. Um, you can look in like ancient writings. Uh, there's a whole, like three or four sections, uh, and, and I haven't read this, I've just read the sections, in Homer's Iliad, all right? Uh, I don't want you to think I'm smarter than I am. I looked up the sections online. I did not read that book. <laughs> but uh, you can read, it might not even be a book, it might be a play or something, but uh, you can read Homer's Iliad, and they have whole chunks of prayers where they just go on and on praising and naming the God, uh, specifically Zeus. Like, oh Zeus, you are so awesome. You are so great. You have the silver bow. You control all things. You are riding in on the storm. You are controller of the weather. All people should turn to you, right? Like, there's, in Acts chapter 19, you can look at this, the riot that goes on in Ephesus, and they find out that the guy is a Jew that they're rioting about, right? And the whole crowd gets into this Colosseum, all right? like a Reeser Stadium or an Autzen Stadium, and they start yelling, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. All right, that's the chant. Great is Artemis, their God, of the Ephesians. They chant that for two hours. There's no game going on, right? There's just a Jewish guy there, and they heard he was Jewish, so they start yelling this, There ain't no flies on us chant, about their God, and they go on for two hours. A big crowd of grown men all chanting the same thing for two hours. The Bible says this is disturbing, okay? Just saying. So, um, when, uh, when grown adult people chant the same thing for two hours, there's a deep-rooted belief about reality in that chanting, right? And in the ancient pagan world, there was these belief systems where you would say your prayer right and if you messed up the intonation or you messed up the pattern, you would start over because that would mess up your whole prayer and it wouldn't be impressive to the God. And so the prayers went on and on about how great this God is and then there would be little contractual disputes in the prayer. Like, remember, we did these things and so you owe us some rain to grow our crops. Alright? This is the way that the Gentiles, the people around, would pray. And if they were having riots where they would chant something for two hours, praising their gods, their god Artemis, then the Jewish people saw that this is how the people around them prayed. This is how religion was practiced in the Roman world. And what Jesus says is when you interact with God, your Father, you don't need to yell at Him for two hours to impress Him. You can go into your closet and talk to Him. You can go into your room and talk to Him. And he sees what is done in secret. You don't need to get God's attention by how impressive your prayer is. Did you hear that? God isn't waiting until you're good at this. You don't have to be like, God, I've written out this speech that I'd like to give you so that you can be aware of my needs. You don't need to pray for two hours just to get God to notice you. You don't need to get thousands of people praying just so that God notices. God notices what is done in secret. He knows what you need before you ask him. Now, you need to know, I wrote like seven sermons this week, all right? Uh, prayer is a 
dynamic thing in my life, all right? At least we should be talking about the relationship of like quantum physics, string theory, and prayer, okay? And, but, um, but we're not going to because I'll look like an idiot. But um, prayer in this, like when we talk about God knows what we need before we pray it, you've got to start asking questions of like, so why are we praying, right? And if God has ultimate control and is going to act in the benefit of the people who love him, then why? Then what are we supposed to pray? Okay, so there's like 17 sermons here, but you need to just write those down and preach them to yourself because we don't have time. Um, so pray then like this. So part A is how we pray. Part B is what we're actually supposed to pray. And throughout history, um, and Martin Luther included in his uh, catechism, actually talks about the Lord's Prayer, what we've come to call the Lord's Prayer, uh, actually being like a model, like here's how we pray. Not a recitation of this prayer over and over. So for all history, theologians haven't thought we need to pray these words. What they've said is we need to pray in this way. Alright? So it's not like Jesus was saying this is the prayer that you're supposed to do. Jesus is saying this is how you are to pray. And so I don't, when I was a kid, we still said the Lord's Prayer in school. Or maybe you go to a Christian school and, and you say, did anybody say the Lord's Prayer when you were a kid in school? Uh, okay. I grew up in Canada, a Christian country. So um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. But, um, <laughs> as we got older, we didn't. And we stopped singing the words to our song, like our old Canada song, because nobody knows them. So they would just play the music and we'd stand there and be like, what song is this again? Um, so, is the queen coming? Uh, this is how Jesus calls us to pray, alright? And we're going to, I can break this down into six sections really, really easy. But this is what it, God says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, alright? That's kind of first chunk in this prayer, alright? Our Father in heaven. Now, a couple of things to notice as we go through this. It's all like um, common. It's our. It's not my. A lot of our religion is experienced at an individual level. Jesus is saying, go into your closet and pray in this way. Our Father. So even when you're alone, your prayer connects you to the people who, are the, who call God their Father. All right, The children of God. The, the people of God. And so you'll notice that our, um, your, give us, all right? You'll notice that all the way through because this isn't an individualistic prayer. It's a prayer that we pray as a, as a community, as a body. So he says this, and here's the, so the address is our Father in heaven. And then the prayer actually starts talking about uh, the first petition or the first request is, hallowed be your name, which means uh, may your name be holy. And so the first thing that we're praying is, God, may your name be holy. All right, which is an interesting prayer because it is. All right, if you want God to answer yes to your prayers, pray stuff like this: God, may you be holy. God says yes. You're like score one point for me, right? Uh, God just said yes to my prayer. If you pray something like God, don't be holy. God says no. All right, uh, this is God will answer prayers that are true, and so the first request is God, may your name be holy. So. Do you think this is about God? Or do you think this is about the person who's praying? God says, no duh. The person says, I have to remind myself and I have to pray that this is true in my life. Is God's name holy 
in my life? Is his character, is who he is, sacred to who I am? So, first request, God may your name be holy. Second request, your kingdom come. So there's a longing there. Well, the, these two both are longing. Your kingdom come is number two. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is request number three. The coming of the kingdom of God is, is some people think this is something that's future. Like someday uh, God, you know, come back. But the kingdom of God is actually moving forward with force. And we'll get to that in the book of Matthew. The kingdom of God is a present reality and a future reality. And so when we read like the end of the book of Revelation, it talks about uh, the new heaven and the new earth, all right? We understand that the kingdom of God in its fullness and in its final state is a future reality, but the kingdom of God isn't something that's non-existent now. The kingdom of God is where God rules. And so we say, God, may you rule. So may your kingdom come, all right? May your kingdom be here, and then may your will be done. So the things you want, may they be done on this earth, the same way it is in heaven. The things that happen in heaven are the things that God wants to happen. So may this earth be a place where God rules and the things are the way that God would dream of them being. Those prayers that God says, yes, I'm down with that. Let's go for that. Right? So we've got three questions and God has three easy yeses. God, please be holy. God, please rule. And God, please bring uh, to this earth your will. The things that matter in, to you. So, easy prayer, easy answer. Now, those first three requests are about God. Then the second section actually switches, so it's about us. And it says, give us our daily bread. Uh, sorry, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right? Okay, that's great. Sorry. Pastor Daryl is away this morning doing uh, ministry assessment profiles for young pastors in our denomination. He just texted me. He should know. I'm kind of busy. But. So, um, I'm not going to text him back. <laughs> Can you all hold on? No. We're not. I don't want to be that guy. Um, so the requests are daily bread. All right. Uh, forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation or times of testing depending on your translation All right. so the switch is God may you be glorified may your kingdom be here uh, may your will be done and also Lord may you give us our daily bread and, and this phrase actually would mean like um, uh, it would be like give us enough bread for tomorrow so if you're praying at the end of the day you're like God I would like to have enough to eat tomorrow so I can go to work so that I can work to be able to make, have enough food for the next day. Uh, so it's praying just for daily needs, just for daily things that, that we need to have. Food, uh, a place to live, right? Uh, a community to live in. Those, those kinds of things that we need to have, all right? The, the needs, though. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but do God give me my bread for tomorrow. Uh, and then you pray for forgiveness. Um, uh, in verse, sorry, one screen back. You pray for forgiveness. Uh, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Uh, this is where it gets, it starts to get a bit complicated. God forgive us in the same way that we've forgiven others. That's not what we actually want, right? <laughs> God, please forgive us better than we forgive others. And then forgive us for sucking at forgiving others. Right? Do you see that? What we actually want is, God, give me a good deal, but I'm going to give people a deal they deserve. 
Because, like, when we say that, what we're actually doing is changing who God is. We're saying, God, we want you to forgive on a perfect standard. And then I'm going to forgive on what I determine is a perfect standard as well. So God, you be God of the universe, and I'll be God of, you know, me. But I still want to pray to you. I still want to, you know, go to heaven. I don't have that kind of power. <laughs> right? It's a deep and harsh thing when we start praying this way. Because it's not just praying that God will forgive us. It's praying that God will make us... Will, it's praying that God will forgive us of our lack of forgiving. And then that God will grow in us this ability to forgive in the way that he forgives. Uh, so f- I'm going to let's get back to this in just a second I want to just hit this one last thing and then it says and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil now a lot of these things are what Jesus is saying aren't uncommon prayers okay for the Jewish people and this one is included this last line uh, would be a prayer that would pray at the synagogue on a regular basis not to lead us into spiritual testing and so when we pray we worship God and then we pray for practical needs And then we pray for forgiveness. And then we pray and we realize, God, that there's a real and actual spiritual reality and a spiritual battle, almost, that's going on. And maybe maybe battle is the right word. Um, But there's a spiritual battle that's going on. And we're engaged in this. And so, God, we want you to not lead us into times of testing, in in spiritual testing, like lead us into temptation to sin. But deliver us from that. Deliver us from evil. Uh, deliver us from the evil one, depending on your translation. And so there's an understanding of a reality that there's something bigger going on. Now, you can't actually pray this prayer apart from the reality of the first half of the prayer. So if you say, God forgive me the way that I forgive other people, What you're actually saying is, God, help me to forgive. Because the only way I can forgive is in Jesus. The only way I can forgive is if God is holy, if God's kingdom is coming, and if God's will is being done. Because if I can't get down with those things, I can't actually forgive. Like, in my own power, there are things in your life and in my life that are... Um, people would say, unforgivable. You don't need to forgive them because what they've done is so grievous against you. But when we think about what we've done to God in our own sin, it's a grievous offense to God who created you, who created the universe. And so when we seek forgiveness from God, at the same time we seek to forgive And the only way we can forgive is in God. Secondly, we only pray for, give us enough for our needs for tomorrow. Now, uh, this is where we'll argue over what your needs and wants are, right? And it'll be incredibly tedious and stupid, and we won't end up with any kind of clear, like, landing point. Because I know you need something that I don't need, and I need something that you don't need, right? And then when we talk about our needs, it's incredibly embarrassing when we start talking about it in a global context. Because dang, I need some air conditioning. Said the guy to the people who live in a hut in Africa. Right? Dang, I need some air conditioning in my car. And at my work. And at my church. 
right? And that's true, we actually... <laughs> but, uh, but in reality, if we're able to pray just for our needs, the only way you can pray just for your needs is in Jesus. Because all of those things that are wants, you can identify wants in your life by anything that you feel like you need, but you could survive without. Right? Anything. Anything. So almost everything. If you're not eating it, or wearing it, or living in it, it's a want. Does that make sense? Everything. Like when we pray for our team to win. When we pray to not get hurt when we're playing. That's not edible, wearable, or livable. Alright? When we pray for our candidate to win the election. Uh, when we pray uh, for, please don't embarrass myself, get rid of the acne. All of those. All wants. Anything outside of what it would take to basically survive is a want. And we pray for these things all the time, don't we? Didn't I pray for these things before? I prayed that we would be able to find uh, that student who's lost from Corbin. I prayed that there would be less violence in our world. I prayed for many of us who are facing uncertain futures and un, like, unwanted realities. None of those are needs. All of those are things I want. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for wants. Go ahead and pray for wants all you want. <laughs> all right? You can do that. God doesn't say, no, you don't get any of your wants. All right? Because you have a lot of wants. Don't you? Right? We have a lot of that. And we experience it. And it's joyful. We enjoy it. All right? It doesn't mean it's bad. But the only way that you could pray just for your needs and actually be satisfied in just your needs is in Jesus. It's the only way. The, I think the big God in our culture is the God of wants. It's a materialistic God. Right? The thing that we worship is ourselves. And we don't have this God out here that we worship. We worship the things that we want. And so we sacrifice our time, energy, and money to ourselves. And the only way that we can pray, your will be done, or sorry, just for our needs, is if God's will be done, his kingdom come, and his name be glorified, is the number one desire in our lives. If we count to just be satisfied with God answering that prayer. You pray for your needs, God says yes, that's an easy yes. Easy. And as soon as you don't need that anymore... Like if he doesn't give you your food till tomorrow and you die, God says, yes, that's also good. Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Right? And then what you needed to do was go to heaven. That's not a sermon I give at funerals. But if we uh, can pray just for our needs, then we can actually pray, God, forgive us our debts as we forgive the people who have, have debts with us. We can start to forgive people who sin against us because we understand that we forgive in the way that God forgives. Then we can pray, God, don't lead us into evil or lead us into temptation because all we actually need is the thing that God gives us. This prayer isn't like this model prayer. If you want to know how to pray, here's how you pray. Start with three things about God that are awesome. Say, God, may you be holy. 
may your kingdom come, may your will be done, and then say, God, may we uh, have enough food to live tomorrow, all right, a place to live and some clothes to wear. Uh, God, may we be a forgiving people, and may you forgive us so that we can forgive. And then, can you please not lead us into temptation? If you want a structure to your prayers, there's a one, two, three, four, five, six structure to your prayer. And then next time you're praying out loud, people will be like, dang, there was like a one, two, three, four, five, six structure to your prayer. That was amazing. And you'll be like, yes. And, right? And then you need to read the first half about being a hypocrite. Um, so it says this. This is how it ends. And I, this the final point here. If you forgive others their trespasses, your, father, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. God says... And this sounds like a works thing. Like I'm forgiving person, so God has to forgive me. Right? Like we do things that impress God, and so now God is obligated to us. But in reality, what's happening is that we forgive, and if we don't forgive, then there's actual like sin or hate in our lives that we're holding on to. And I don't say this lightly, because sometimes forgiveness takes a really long time. Alright? I'm not saying, I forgive, I forget, I walk away, I smile and pretend. So we're not talking about like a pretend Christianity. But we're talking about engaging forgiveness. And some forgiveness, for some things, takes a really, really long time. One of my favorite authors says that when you don't forgive, you're actually renting space to someone in your head. You get that? If you can't forgive someone, then they get to live in your head for a while. And they haven't earned it. All they've done is offended. And so when we're able to engage forgiveness, then we're able to be forgiven. Because those two things work together. They're not separate. And the way that this is set up, when we pray, it's often, this is terrible, because I've done this. When we pray, we say, God, do these things in my life so that you'll be glorified. Right? God, do this, and then everybody will think you're awesome. God, do this, and I will glorify you. Right? If you do these things, it's going to make me happy. It's going to cause me to glorify you. There, you want to be glorified? Do these things. Easy. And what God actually says, what Jesus teaches us in this prayer is the opposite. God, be glorified, and because you're glorified, May these things come true. May these things be real. So instead of saying, God, do this in my life, and then you'll be awesome, we say, God, you're awesome. And because you're awesome, these things happen in my life. Do you see that switch? And it's such an easy switch. Because when we pray, God, do these things, do these things, do these things, and you'll be glorified, it sounds really good, doesn't it? Like, I don't want these things. I want God to be glorified. This is health, wealth, prosperity gospel. It's awesome. God, give me so that you look good. God, make me look good so that you look good. Because I am the representation of you here on this earth. It sounds attractive because it's just a little twist of theology that screws everything up. Because the reality is, God, you are good. And so demonstrate that by being good to me. Not be good to me so that it is demonstrated. 
We began in this prayer, and we begin in our lives with the reality of who God is, not with the reality of who we are, or what we need, or what we want. At the end of the day, we're the humans, and God is the God. And we live because He lives. He loved us before we deserved it. He died for us while we were still sinners. When we pray, is your prayer about you or is your prayer about God? This is kind of a practical thing. It's not a thing where we're going to, you know, have like an altar call or raise our hands or cry about it. What I'd really like you to do, if you need an action step, which I think you should do something, you don't just read the Bible and then leave and go, that was good, right? Is sit down this week and try to pray intentionally. Like actually sit down and if you feel like you're not the best prayer in the room, which if you do, that's another, we have a whole other issue, all right? Sit down and put a one, two, three, four, five, six on a page and then just try praying through six things, all right? And then feel communion with God. And pray in a way that Jesus actually taught us to pray. Jesus didn't assume that we'd all just do this. Or we'd all just do this in the best way for us. This isn't about the way that God wants. It's about the best way for us. So just one, two, three, four, five, six on a page. I have really close friends who actually write out their prayers all the time. They have books and books of prayer. People that can't focus, that's actually a good idea. All right? The same reason we close our eyes when, I pray, when we pray. There's a lot going on that I want to look at. There's nowhere in the Bible that says close your eyes, put your hands together. That's something we do for kids because we know what they do with their hands when their eyes are closed. All right? <laughs> so one... Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> This is the practical application step. Just one, two, three, four, five, six. Write that down. Sit down. And if you want to write it out, you can write it out. If you want to just stand and talk or kneel and talk, don't put a clock next to you and try to pray for ten minutes. Just talk to God in a way that makes sense to you, in a way that makes sense to your relationship with God. So we're going to pray just really short and thank God for teaching us to pray. And then we're going to sing together and worship Him as a whole church. All right. So let's stand and pray. Our God, Jesus, um, we thank you for caring for us in a really practical way. Uh, helping us to have a decent relationship with you. Helping us to speak to you in a way that makes sense. Uh, in a way that teaches us. In a way that reminds us who you are and who we are in relationship to you. So God, may you be glorified. May your name be holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done, especially in our church, especially in our town. And God, give us what we need and help us to be satisfied to only pray for what we need. God, forgive us as a community and help us as a group to forgive others. Forgive us when we're unforgiving. And then God, lead us, every one of us as individuals, but us as a church not into temptation, not into times of trials, not into times of testing. But lead us to walk with you. Make us the kind of people who can pray this prayer honestly and with integrity. 
by your grace we pray. Amen.